Hello, 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 Mama. Welcome to Matrescence Awakening with Kieran Lee. I'm your host, Kieran. Thank you for being here. If you're coming back for more, thanks for coming back. And if this is your first time here, hello, welcome. It is so nice to have you here. It is another solo episode for me today. Now, don't worry, I do have a lot of incredible interviews lined up over the next coming months. I have just been having a little break from interviews and been really lovely bringing these solo episodes to you. So I hope you've been loving them too. Always feel free to come and give me some feedback. Either come and jump to me in my Insta DMs at Kieran underscore Lee. I'd love to chat to you there. Otherwise, as always, I would be ever so grateful for any follows, reviews, recommendations on the podcast app that you are coming, I'm coming to you from. So in this episode today, I want to talk about dispelling some spiritual myths and misconceptions because it truly is my belief that it is a fear or a judgment, whether conscious or unconscious, about spiritual practices that are really holding people back, and in particular in the space that I'm working in, mothers moving through matrescence, really holding them back from being able to open up and embrace new ways of thinking, new tools to use, new ways of accessing intuition, new ways of tapping into guidance and support. And so it really is part of my mission to try and dispel some of the fears and myths and misconceptions around spirituality, because I think that there is such a really big opinion and a negative opinion about what spirituality is, what it isn't, what it means, how that means you should show up. And I just want to really have a conversation around that to hopefully open you up to understanding a little bit more about my personal view of spirituality, but also around some of the history around why these fears are present and why these stories and these narratives are, you know, the way that they are. Um, And also bringing in just some other things that I hear and I witness around the um, the resistance to spirituality. So I'm going to kick off by just going through a little bit of history. Now, please don't tune out just yet. (laughs) I will try to make it as fun as possible. I hated history in school. Actually, I don't even remember really doing it in high school, so I either didn't choose it as a subject if I had a choice or I've completely blanked it out. But I'm going to make it short, snappy, interesting, informative as possible. But I think it's actually really, really powerful to understand, as I said, where some of these narratives come from because these things do stay with us through our ancestors. Generationally, these beliefs these fears, these stories, these experiences stay with us. It's in our DNA. And so it might've happened, you know, a really, really long time ago. However, it still really influences the way that not only we show up, but the world around us and those stories and those perceptions that are projected onto us from others as well. So I'm going to just touch on a few, um, you know, quite big pivotal moments that have really put a yeah, a negative view on spirituality and things being um, accessed and seen outside of really the Catholic Church. (laughs) So let's get into it. So during the medieval and early modern periods, there was a series of institutions and processes established by the Catholic Church called the Inquisition. 
Now, this was designed to suppress religious nonconformity and to enforce conformity. So they wanted people to just be um, living within the teachings of the Catholic Church. So if people were found to be outside of these teachings, so not conforming, it resulted in persecution, torture, and execution. So this was often from individuals that were practicing spiritual beliefs and definitely anything outside of that Catholic Church teaching. So this supported the church to maintain control and power. It supported them in pushing religious unity and providing social unity because, you know, if people don't have different beliefs, if there's not more than one way to think, then it doesn't create any tension because everyone has the same beliefs. They also had the belief that they were there to protect souls. So by essentially forcing people to live within the Catholic teaching, they had the opinion and the view that they were protecting souls. So there's one really big period of time where anything outside of one particular teaching um, was really bad. You would be persecuted, you'd be tortured. There has also obviously been the suppression of Indigenous spiritual practices. So through missionaries and colonizers, they had the intention to convert Indigenous peoples to Christianity. They really felt that traditional spiritual practices were seen as pagan, primitive or demonic. So they didn't want to be part of that. They wanted to really stamp that out and have those Indigenous peoples converted into their religion into their beliefs, their way of thinking. So there was a lot of spiritual practices that um, either had been lost or were just kind of um, left because it was not safe for them to be practicing that way because the the colonizers and the missionaries had tried to convert them. There was also throughout the Middle Ages and Renaissance periods, there was individuals that were practicing alchemy and astrology that faced persecution. So alchemy is something that encompasses philosophical, spiritual, and mystical ideas that sought to unlock the secrets of the universe and the nature of reality. So if you were using any of these sort of teachings or ideas or consulting the stars within your astrology, you face persecution for it. These practices, they were threats to the religious orthodoxy and were associated with demonic influences once again. So, again, anything outside of that, um, the Catholic Church's teachings was seen as things that were not, um, yeah, they didn't want people associating with them because they were linked to, to being demonic. And then... Of course, the witch hunts and trials, right? We all kind of have this little idea about the witch hunts and the burning of the witches. But this was real. This was, you know, this was the reality. These witch hunts and trials, they took place primarily during the 16th and 17th centuries in Europe and North America. And it involved the persecution of individuals and mainly women who were accused of being witchcraft or or accused of using witchcraft. Um, They were imprisoned, tortured, and executed. There was a lot of innocent people during this time who were accused of being witches. So you might be wondering, what constitutes a person being a witch? (laughs) Well, it it was often just fueled by superstition and fear and deeply ingrained cultural and religious beliefs rather than any actual evidence of wrongdoing. A lot of unexplained events were being blamed on witches. Anything that couldn't you know, they didn't have an explanation for, let's blame it on a witch. 
So they believed that witches could cause harm or misfortune to others through supernatural means. So they might create someone to have an illness, they might ruin their crops, they might cause someone to have an accident or even die. It was believed that they did these things through curses and spells and rituals that that they would perform. They also thought that witches were capable of flying, of shape-shifting, of casting spells, of using charms, of communing with spirits and demons. So anything that was unexplainable and attributed to like supernatural sorts of things happenings, they blamed them on the witches. So they don't have a, an explanation of why it's happening. Let's just say that people are using um you know, things that we can't see and that is dangerous. That is the work of demons. They also believed that witches had made a pact with the devil in which they renounced their Christian faith and devoted themselves to serving Satan. So again, outside of the Christian teaching and just serving Satan. They believed that they engaged in acts of worship or allegiance to the devil. They also thought that physical characteristics or behaviours were seen as indicators of witchcraft So this included things like having a deformity, particular birthmarks, or a unique physical feature. So if you think about the way that we find safety in conforming, it is absolutely no wonder why that has happened if there has been such trauma in our history about having things that look different on you or behaving differently. So they believed that witches behaved erratically or they were like reclusive, they believed they had a particular laugh or they engaged in unconventional practices. So, you know, anything outside of just this one way of conforming was seen as really dangerous. And even if you weren't, you know, necessarily speaking to spirit or doing any sort of spells or anything like that, If people just suspected that you did, that was enough for you to go on trial. So just suspicion and rumours was enough to accuse someone of witchcraft. So if you think about like if someone had a personal rivalry, if there was envy or grudges, they could lead to false accusations. They would often go against individuals who were seen as social outcasts or who did not conform to societal norms. So again, like just ah, this, this conformity, no wonder we find such safety in conformity because it literally could have been life or death if we did not conform. So what would happen is someone would be accused of being a witch that would then get put on trial and there was a lot of unjust um, acts used during trial, a lot of torture techniques, which would result in false admissions. And then because they admitted to things, even though they were false, they would find punishment. So it would be anything from imprisonment to death. And the burning of the witches was, you know, one of the most famous um, forms of punishment that there was throughout these, these witch trials. And so, you know, it is no wonder that we look at so many traumatic things that has happened throughout history across so many different cultures and, and in different spaces that yes, there is such a fear and a resistance to anything outside of the unknown, anything outside of conforming to one belief, one way of thinking. Um, And so it's absolutely no wonder that there is that fear there. And so that is really one of the fears that I see and that I experienced myself when I was younger 
is that that fear there in trusting the unseen or trusting the unknown. And history has showed us that that is not safe. However, you know, once we start to understand the history and the absolute trauma that is there around believing in that, we can start to choose a different story. And it is now my belief that it is so naive to think that there are not unseen forces at work. If we think about the tiny little speck that we are within the universe and all of the energies and all of the powers and and the moons and just the planets and absolutely, you know, everything beyond what we can see, it just feels so deeply naive or that there is just such a deep unconscious seated fear to think that there is not the unseen there. And it doesn't really matter what language you use around it or what you believe that unseen force is that is that is working. But the fact is that it is it is there. And so when we're able to start to open up to the unseen, we start to open up of new ways of being supported and new ways of being guided and new influences coming in. And it really starts to open up a whole new way of seeing the world and moving through the world. And for me, it has been so humbling to really think about, you know, forces outside of me supporting me and guiding me. And so knowing that there is those unseen forces working can really guide and support me. And yeah, there's a lot of ways to connect in with that, whether it is through a religious belief or whether it is through any other sort of language or belief, but just knowing that, you know, there are bigger things out there working and supporting us and and that energy and, and those sorts of things are really, really important to support us. The other thing I want to touch on here related to history is the discourse I've been seeing around spiritual teachers, mentors, guides, focusing on and pushing individual solutions when there are actually major systemic failures that come into play to create our circumstances and reality. This is largely being driven by someone I follow online, Simone Soul, and it's something that I have often felt but have struggled to properly articulate. So I'm really glad she's driving this conversation because I think she's contextualizing something that I and a lot of others in this space have felt but not really known what to do with. So My interpretation of what she speaks to is it's incredibly irresponsible to educate people on just working on themselves at that individual level while dismissing or ignoring the overarching systemic failure that creates oppression. So, for example, we can't just positively think our way into a pay rise if we work in an extremely misogynistic workplace. Or black Indigenous persons of colour do not have the same starting block as a white woman or a white man. So just aligning your chakras isn't going to even the playing field. So this is a piece of work that I am very much in the midst of and it's something that's important to me to work towards, being really inclusive and showing up in a responsible way in the way that I educate and support mothers, particularly knowing that there is so much systemic failure in the way that mothers are valued and supported and then within that, there are those deeper levels levels and layers of marginalized groups. I definitely believe that we do have a responsibility to do the work at an individual level, but whilst also being mindful and respectful for varying backgrounds and the systems of oppression that have created lived experiences and circumstances. So I'm not always going to get this right. I'm human. My view, opinion, and knowledge on this is developing right, right now within this space. But I really felt that it was important to acknowledge that here because I do believe that spiritual tools and teachings and schools of thought and practices can be really powerful 
if it's used in a holistic way instead of just in a dismissive way. Another fear that I can see or a resistance, I'd say it's not really a fear, but, you know, a resistance or a negative way of thinking about it is this belief that it's all love and light. And don't get me wrong, there's definitely those people out there that, you know, love and light and peace be with you and, you know, and that's it. And that is complete gaslighting. That is complete toxic spirituality. And just like within any sort of belief or any sort of thinking or, you know, any way that we engage with the world, there's always a shadow side and there is always a light side. And there is absolutely that toxic spirituality, but it is part of our journey to really find people that we connect with in a way that isn't pushing that toxic spirituality and starting to understand what it is and how to avoid it. Because spirituality is not just about love and light. Spirituality is actually asking you to feel all of the emotions. It is asking you to live in your humanness. And that means feeling those emotions that are harder to feel. Not that they're negative, not that they're bad, but just that they are harder to feel. You know, anger, sadness, grief, frustration, loneliness, those things are all part of the human experience. And spirituality actually provides the tools and the understanding that we are here to feel it all and we can't move through it, we can't grow through it unless we are allowing ourselves to experience it. So if anyone is, you know, in your sphere that is just pushing all love and light and all, you know, namaste bitches, then (laughs) please know that that is not a true and good representation of spirituality. That is someone on a path who is just trying to tap into one little element of it and is really not living that as as a path because it is not all love and light. And so I really want to just dispel that. Yes, we want to move to a place where we can experience more joy, more lightness, more alignment, but with that comes that shadow side as well. Another resistance that I see is that it's kind of really lofty, airy-fairy. It's disconnected from reality. Just think about all of your dreams and it will come true sort of thinking, you know, the manifesting, the, the, the secret, you know, just write it down and just think about it. And again, that's not really the way that spirituality works. There is so much more to it than just airy-fairy lofty concepts. You have to have momentum. You have to be in union, in relation, in a dance with your spiritual practices in, yes, the, the energetic realm, but also in the practical real world. Spirituality has supported me in living so much more present in the real world and being able to bring things into my life that I never thought possible through the belief that I am being supported and and trusting in the unseen and really merging my humanness in this 3D world where my feet are on the ground and I'm really grounded and using that to help propel myself forward, to help with that momentum. If you are just there writing down in your journal every couple of months something that you want to try and manifest, you are absolutely not going to manifest anything. And I am not a manifest expert. I'm not a manifest teacher. I do use it as part of my own practice and I'm not perfect at it, but I definitely know 
that there is so much more to it than just thinking, oh, I'm just going to write it down or I'm just going to say my affirmations and that it. I definitely really deeply believe in the power of language, the power of affirmations, the power of scripting and meditation and bringing all those things to create your reality. But there has to be such a drive to actually have that momentum in the real world as well. You know, we actually have to live life. We can't just sit in a dream state all the time. And if you're, yeah, if you're trying to live in a dream state all the time, then you're not here present in the real world and you're disconnected anyway. So really knowing that, yes, there is this beautiful merging of the support of the unknown, as well as actually having to physically do things in the real world to support that growth and to support that life that you're trying to create for yourself. Another resistance might be around um, it not necessarily supporting materialistic pursuits. So we often put so much weight on the success of tangible outcomes or materialistic success. So it starts to become the priority that we want to be able to feel and touch things. And if we are using practices that aren't necessarily delivering those things as quickly as we feel like it could, or having to trust the process and trust the timing, then it's not going to be something that becomes a priority. Because let me tell you, As someone who wants things to happen so much quicker than what they do, and I see people around me, you know, appear to have things transmute so much quicker than what I am able to bring things into my life, it has felt really frustrating at times. And I have to really ground into the belief that things are happening in the timing that they need to for my life. And when I think about trying to get things to move quicker, that's when my wheels spin. That's when I go into overwhelm. That's when I go into pushing myself further than what I need to push myself to. That's when I really make myself get sick because I am trying to do things that I'm not ready for. My Either my soul isn't ready for, I'm physically not ready for, I'm financially not ready for. And I really trust that things happen in the time that they're meant to. And that just because I don't have those tangible things in my hand right away, it doesn't mean that either they're not coming or it might be better than what I imagined it would be. Now, of course, again, with that comes knowing that I have to take action to do those things. I can't just sit and hope that things are going to manifest. I still need to be doing things, even if it doesn't necessarily result in the tangible outcomes or those material things coming into my life straight away. And just because you're a spiritual person doesn't mean that you can't want those material things. You absolutely can have them, but it's about the intention and the way of bringing those things into your life where spirituality really starts to differ from those that aren't necessarily in a spiritual practice. Okay, another fear that I see, and I've kind of touched a little bit on this through the other points that I've been speaking to, but it is that fear of surrendering into the unknown. You know, we are in such a world where we like to have real meticulous control of every aspect of our life. It provides a level of safety for us. That control 
allows us to feel like we are the ones that are driving it. We are the ones that are having the say over the way that things unfold. Whereas spirituality really invites you to surrender into the unknown. And with that, yes, it can feel so scary, but it's also so much beauty in that because I know when I've surrendered into the unknown of things, oh, I've had things come into my life that are just so much better than what I ever could have imagined. And that is the beauty of it. That is the beauty of trusting that things are unfolding as they need to and that those forces are working with you because sometimes the reality is better than what you could have pictured, but it does create, it does, um, uh, it does require a level of surrender. And that is so hard. It is so hard to surrender when you want something so desperately, it can feel like a loss of control. And so it's hard to surrender, but it's part of the process and the spiritual tools teach you how to do that in the time that it needs. <laughs> There's also, you know, a lot of negative cultural stereotypes through things like movies, TV shows. We don't want to be othered. We've just I've just gone through what it means to be outside of conforming of social pressures, social teachings. We don't want to be othered because, you know, the history in our in our bones, in our DNA is that when we are different, when we look different, when we sound different, when we think different, when we believe different, when we act differently, we will get persecuted for it. So when you've got this belief that the practices within spirituality are unusual or are weird or are different because we've been conditioned to believe that, then actually being open to embracing them feels like our body is going to go into danger, right? It's that freeze response or that fear response, that fight flight of this isn't safe for me to do because if I embrace different ways of thinkings and different beliefs and seeing the world in a different way, then I'm going to get persecuted for that. And I don't want to lose my life over that. So really starting to be aware that there is so much history there about not wanting to be othered. And that might support you in starting to be like, okay, I'm actually, I can see, you know, throughout history, yes, there was that danger there, but I am safe here. I can see my surroundings. I can see the world around me. I am safe here to start embracing new ways of thinking. And if you feel like you really do have this intuitive pull to start thinking about new ways of thinking and leaning into your spirituality and you feel like there is people around you who will judge you or who who will make fun of you or whatever and you feel like you don't want to have to deal with that, then you don't need to tell those people. You can choose the environments that you share in and the safety that you share in. And it took me quite a while to really embrace my spirituality in an overall way that I kind of see my life and I move through my life. And then it took me even longer to want to talk about it in a business sense. And I would kind of slowly sprinkle it through my content and things. And then um, I was working with a coach one day and I was just like, I just love talking about these things. I love sharing about spiritual practices and how it can support. And I really want to bring more of that into my business. And so I started to bring more of that into my business, but it was scary to start talking about these things because I don't want to be othered. 
But the beautiful thing is, is that when you start speaking your truth, when you start really owning the things that light you up, you start to find people that align with that. And you no longer become othered because it starts to become a curation of people in your life that accept you for exactly who you are, whether they have the same beliefs and the same the same thinking, the same practices, or they are just there to embrace you in, in your wholeness, but don't necessarily agree with the way that you see the world, right? But they can accept it and they love you and they can see it for you. I've definitely got friends in my life who don't um, class themselves or see themselves as spiritual beings, but they really love and support me in the work that I do and my beliefs and And they really honor that and that's really beautiful. And so, yes, it can sometimes be about having that moment of shedding. If there's people in in your life that, you know, aren't aligned or don't fit or are judgmental and you don't want that in your life anymore, and that can feel really scary. And, you know, I've spoken quite a bit about loneliness and if you scroll back a little bit in my podcast that I've done, there is one specifically on loneliness Um, but it is really that in-between moment of, you know, who you were and who you're becoming. And in that loneliness, we get to learn so much about ourselves and what we want. And that's where kind of tapping into sort of spiritual practices can really support you. So I really believe that these, these beliefs, these fears are causing people to be so closed off to practices that can actually bring them so much inner support and guidance as they move through life. And in particular, matrescence, you know, this is a huge period of transition. And when we're able to connect with new tools to support us through the discovery of self in this time, it can really strengthen that connection that we have to, to ourselves and the way that we show up in the world. And something that I really want to make clear is that to have spiritual practices, it doesn't mean it has to be an all or nothing. You can pick and choose. There is so much that falls under the umbrella of spirituality. It is not about saying, I'm a spiritual person, so I have to think this way all the time. I have to have this belief all of the time. I have to shut anyone out that doesn't think that way. You know, I have to do these particular practices every day or every month, you know, because I am spiritual. I actually really believe that you can step away from all things spiritual. And I kind of see this process unfold for myself from time to time where I get really connected. I can really tap in. I feel really in tune with my spirituality. And then there's moments where I need to just step back and feel really grounded in in the life around me. And that's not to say that you can't have the balance of both. You absolutely can. But for me, I notice that cycle. And perhaps your spirituality feels like a cyclical process as well, where sometimes you really tap into it when you feel like you're ready to grow and you want that support and guidance. And then as you're integrating and you're kind of just letting it settle and you're letting that next layer become really, yeah, I guess, integrated in your life, then you step back and you don't necessarily tap in as much. It doesn't have to be all or nothing and it doesn't have to be all of the tools. You might just pick a couple of tools that you really connect with. Maybe, you know, it's full moon ceremonies or new moon ceremonies or um, connecting with if you've got, you know, people that have passed that you connect with as as a guide or, or, or an angel or connecting with spirits, you know, like, there's just so many tools and and maybe I should do an episode 
um, sharing about that and if that's something that you're interested in, in, you know, what are actual spiritual tools and perhaps what I use um, regularly as part of my spiritual practice, I can I can definitely do that. So maybe come and let me know in Instagram DMs or maybe I might even put a little question box in um, Spotify. Just let me know if that's something that you want, if that's something that will support you in actually like what is the practicalities of spiritual tools. Um, I can absolutely do that if there is a desire there for you to have that. But I want you to know that if you take time away from it, you're not doing anything wrong. It is totally your choice, how you connect with it, how often you connect with it and what you find works for you. And that is going to change. So for me at the start of my spiritual journey, um, there was no way I would have thought about connecting with spirits or angels. Like that was way too much for me, (laughs) way too, way too deep into it for me. But now I'm at a place where it's not necessarily something that I do regularly, but I'm really open to the idea that there are spirits out there with me. There are angels that I can connect with and tap into and get wisdom from. And so just like your, you know, identity unfolds as you uncover each layer, so does your spiritual practice. And you can tap into it, you can step into it, you can put your foot on the gas, you can pull back. But I, yeah, I really hope that this episode has helped you unpack maybe a little bit of the resistance that you might be feeling to stepping into your spiritualities to support your growth through matrescence. If there's more that you want to chat about this, come and jump in my DMs. You know I love that. Um, Please feel free to leave a review. I would absolutely love that. It's the best way to support this podcast. I really hope that this has supported you. Come and let me know what you have found interesting about this, whether in the history or maybe I've highlighted something that was maybe a bit unconscious in you with some resistance that you might be feeling. But come and chat to me. I'd love to hear from you. Okay, until next time, big love to you. Bye.